Good evening. Welcome into Lombardi's Legends podcast. And I am Wags. Joining me as always here on a Thursday night is Dane. And we uh, will be up and running here on the Instagram live feed in a moment. Uh, but uh, folks, if you are joining us live, Facebook, YouTube and uh, Twitter slash X. Uh, so all of those platforms this evening, or if you're listening later, we appreciate you. So go ahead and throw stuff up in whatever live stream chat room you're in, and uh, we'll get things started tonight. Um, but uh, Dane, I got to tell you, I'm feeling a little bit sheepish because I'm in a little bit of a quandary. I, I think that... I might be partly responsible for the Packers <laughs> poor performance this last week. And I know, I know I'm, I'm not sure if I should disclose this to you and, and to the rest of uh, our listeners, because I'm afraid that I might become the new scapegoat. And so I, I'm not sure what to do, but Dane, I, what do you think? Should, should I explain what happened and, and, uh, we can let all of you judge for yourself if it's if it's Wags or if uh, Joe Barry is still public on enemy number one on the hit list right now. I mean, folks, I, I have to be totally honest. I have no idea what Wags is about to say. I want to hear it. What is going on? What did you do? Did you break uh, the Packers? <laughs> there's a couple of things, actually. And uh so I Dane, it started wait, last wait, Friday. Real quick, as, as we're going, um, you're actually live on your Insta and not Lombardi's Legends Insta. So we're okay. we're, well, we're we better end that. We and, gotta end uh, that get, and we're get that figured out. So I apologize for that, Dane. We'll get that corrected. Uh, but uh, as we pull that up, we're just gonna do a little wag story time, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll I'll explain what's going on. And uh, so. Folks that are, are, are live on Instagram, uh, Dane's going to be joining there in a minute. Uh, so I apologize for that mix up, but yeah, I, I think I might have some partial responsibility here for the Packers poor performance on Monday night and the fact that they were playing so well. And then all of a sudden things kind of just went sour last week. And so Dane, it started last Friday. Uh, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I hired two people at work, which is great. Great. Yeah. But but both of the people I hired are are Dallas Cowboy fans. And and it, it, this I know I I know Dane, I know and, and they're I'm excited about both of them, but like what this is this I didn't think this was going to be a problem. I I really didn't. Um but but then I compounded it. <laughs> uh I didn't openly cheer for the Cowboys to win on on Sunday night, but, but I admit I kind of wanted them to win because I don't want the the Eagles to be the number one seed if the Packers are going to make the playoffs. I, I would really rather the 49ers be the number one seed, and I, it, it was kind of a dumb thing to do. I realized, Dane, I, this, I, I, I feel like I've caused a cosmic imbalance and I, I, I'm not really sure what to do with myself, but I only compounded it even further because I'm going to hold this up. My niece, 
made me a lucky Packer wristband on Thanksgiving and gave it to me. And I wore it, and we know what happened on Thanksgiving Day. The Packers played phenomenally and uh, beat the Lions uh, in Detroit. So then I faithfully wore uh, this the following week, and we know what happened then. The Packers defeated the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. And I made a mistake, and I realized after that uh, on Monday night, the wristband was sitting on my counter in the kitchen. Oh. I, I I wasn't wearing the wristband. It had been so much good luck. <laughs> so so Dane, I I it's like a double whammy here, and and I'm really not sure sure what to say to defend myself. But can you make me feel better? Like am I? Am I overreacting? Can I? How can I correct this? I, we need to do some damage control here, and I would, I would really feel better if you and 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 our fellow Packer fans and listeners could unburden me of this guilt that I'm feeling that I'm somehow responsible for shifting things cosmically against the Packers after we had so much going for us. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here, um, but. I don't think it's all your fault, but I think it's some your fault. Okay. So, so I, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't want to say that I'm superstitious, Wags, but what is the old saying? How does it go? I'm a little, you're a little, you're a little stitious. Uh-huh. I'm a little stitious and, and to root, even in your words, to mildly wish that the Eagles were not the one seed. So, de facto rooting for Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys. It makes my stomach grumble, but I'm, I'm, I get it because listen, the other, the other week we, we posted something. I said, go bears question mark when they were playing against the like, so like there's some of that. So I can't get too mad, but your niece giving you the good luck charm wags. Uh, here's the deal. You've got to wear that every game going forward. That's the biggest piece to this in my eyes is that stays on. I don't care what's going on. You hold on to that thing like it's like you're like you're Harrison Ford chasing down the Holy Grail and running, a, you know, with, with a rock chasing you. You hang on to that thing. That's where my brain's at right now. But the reason I say it's only part your fault is because you were not the defensive coordinator on Monday night. And that's where I'm throwing a lot more blame is you're not that your name's not true. I really appreciate that, Dane. So maybe we can do a quick re- recap of that game we because I got to tell you, I bet I spiraled a little bit after that one because, man, they did almost everything wrong. That was a tough game. That was a tough watch. And, uh, I think the coaching staff was pretty upset. Coach LaFleur was, was angry. Uh, I think the players were pretty upset. And, uh, I know a lot of fans were pretty upset and, and listen. You don't play your best. We all know what can happen. But, I mean, they still should have won that football game, even after all of that said. Um, and I think that's the most frustrating thing is, uh, folks, I know the New York Giants have won three games in a row, and they're technically only one game behind the Packers in the uh, one-loss column. Um, so they're not completely out of the playoff picture yet either. But that's a bad football team. Let's just I'm just going to straight out say it. That New York Giants team, is a bad football team, and that's a bad loss for a Packer a team that was coming off three straight wins and looks like they're closing in on on having the upper hand of uh, wild card uh, berth and maybe even 
having a chance to catch the Lions, I know as crazy as that sounds, but I think that ship has sailed with this loss. Um, and, and that would have been an outside possibility, I grant you. But uh, certainly, that's a tough one to swallow. And, and in the grand scheme of things, Odane, it's, it doesn't diminish the Packers' chances for what they have in front of them. But uh, I think they really let one go uh, in this one that they'd love to have back. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what went wrong and, and how we can crack this quickly to get back on track on Sunday. Yeah, I, and there's not a lot of, um, you know, glass half full. And I, I'm an optimist, I think, by nature, but um, it was a bad game, right? All around, it was it was bad in all three phases of the game. It was exceedingly disappointing. Um, our boy, uh, uh, DeCostmeyer94 says, we look so bad. They look like they had zero juice. No doubt they'll be fine, but we need to win out really to stand a chance. Um, so that, that's in our Insta chat. So what's up, DK? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just extremely, extremely disappointing because they were flat. They, they never looked like they were really, um, it, it was ugly game. It, it, they didn't look fully engaged. All three phases looked pretty bad at certain points in the game. I mean, the, the silverest of sil- silver linings, I guess, was I was pleased with Jordan Love in the fourth quarter coming through with some big time throws. He, he was steady and calm again. I thought in the pocket in big time moments, he's shown consistently more or less that he's not afraid to, you know, let it rip when it matters most. And that was cool to see, but that doesn't cover up everything else. I mean, even Wags, I think it's fair to say, um, uh, without naming it, we, you know, had some interactions with some of the, uh, a player or two post game and, you know, said like, that game was rough, bro. I think it was one of the quotes that came from that. And it's, it was, I mean, and that's, I think to a, a player in that locker room, I think these Packers probably feel that way. Um, I'm, I'm, particularly frustrated with the defense and special teams. I know the offense wasn't um, terrific, and, and certainly Jordan Love has a number of throws, especially in that first half, I think, that he'd like to have back. Um, but when it mattered, he he delivered. So that's where I really – my frustration more than anything comes to the, the penalties on special teams, the fumble on special teams, and then what in the world happened where, where Tommy DeVito – not only beats the Packers, um, but, you know, puts up 24 points. And this is a Giants offense that's been so bad. Um, and the Packers get zero sacks on DeVito, even though I think dude had been sacked 20 plus times in the games that he's just been playing. And, um, and he's also what the offensive player of the week in the NFC. I mean, that to me is exceedingly damning for this defense. And, Frankly, it falls at the feet of Joe Barry. And um, Wags, I'd love to hear your take on Joe Barry. You posted, posted some stuff on social that I thought was really, really valid on Tuesday. And I, I want to hear that the floor is yours um, because I don't think that we've been as harsh on Joe Barry as some podcasts, as some Packer coverage. But where after Monday's game and seeing the quotes this week from Barry, he spoke to the media earlier today, Like, where do you stand on Joe Barry right now on December 14th? Yeah, it seems like he doesn't seem to get where the questions of his accountability are coming from. Um, and listen, when you look at the season as a whole, part of the reason why we haven't been as hard as on him is, is our other podcasts and other fans and some of our friends have been, uh, that are Packer fans is not because we think he's an amazing defensive coordinator, but honestly, the defense hasn't been 
terrible. Like it's been the least of our problems when you look at the season as a whole. There's a number of games uh, earlier this season when we were two and five that you look at and said if the offense would have played even just a shred better uh, or had more consistency on that side of the football, we probably would have been four and three instead of two and five uh, at that point in the season. So um, it, that's, I think, part of it is is we're going to be fair and realistic about what's happening, despite any emotional feelings that we might have about the performance of, of the said coordinator from this or, or previous seasons. Listen, we said it last week. Here's what's the most damning to me about Joe Barry is we asked the question, is he going to have a vanilla game plan against an offense that's pretty bad and has one dynamic player and is very one dimensional? Or is he going to figure out a game plan that is able to focus on that and shut it down? And he didn't either. It was, and that's the really frustrating thing. Saquon Barkley, at times they were able to slow him down, but uh, not enough, honestly. Um, and they got really lucky, uh, obviously, with that fumble by Saquon at the end of the game. Uh, that's that's not that was a gift, uh, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I don't know what they were trying to do schematically. And, and listen. It's not all Joe Barry's fault. I, I don't like to sit here and call out any particular player, but there was a lot of missed tackles. And it, there just didn't, to your point, there just didn't seem to be a, a very high amount of energy. They didn't seem to be prepared for what the Giants were doing. I don't know if they disrespected the opponent. That's 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 a lot of uh, cliche to throw out there. Right. So I, I don't know how I'll go down that road, but it, it certainly didn't seem like they were ready uh, for what New York wanted to do. Uh, they got frankly, outcoached soundly on both sides of the football. Um, you, you talked about the offense wasn't particularly the problem in this game. I thought the play calling for most of the game was was downright awful, especially situationally. Uh, and you could argue that at the end of uh, their last possession, you have a tra- chance for a two-point conversion. I know those aren't 100%, but uh, they called a play that worked uh, the first few times you ran it, and the Giants had, had figured it out. You can't call uh, basically the same version of an end around uh, eight, nine times against a, a professional NFL defense. The Giants' defense is not that bad. Their offense stinks. Their defense has not been that bad throughout this season. So they were going to figure that out. So that, and, and LaFleur, to his credit, admitted, yeah, that was a bad play call. But, but I really have to question uh, what, what the coaching staff was doing, and they just seemed lack uh, of preparation on both sides. And when you can't go deeper into the well or make adjustments or figure out, uh, okay, clearly the other team has made an adjustment and they figured that out. You, If you have nothing left uh, to, to throw at them or no other counter punches, that's just a lack of preparation. I, I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it. So we can lay some blame at the defeat of the players. For execution, but it starts with the coaching staff for me on both sides of the football. Uh, it was bad. It was very bad on defense, uh, but it was real bad on offense. And uh, I know we don't give Coach Passaccia a lot of criticism either on this podcast, uh, but that was a mess on special teams. And quietly, special teams has not been all that great this year under Coach Passaccia. So um, we, we it all came together in a perfect storm against a bad football team in the New York Giants. And, and I think that's what really upset me the most and, and made it hardest 
uh, to accept the fact that they weren't able to come through. Wags, the Jets is the jet sweep of Matt LaFleur, Mike McCarthy's old pitch play. Like it feels like it's the same thing where it's like, we know it's not going to work. Yeah, it's great. It worked for Jaden Reed once. That's amazing. But I, I haven't seen this many jet sweeps in a game since like Wisconsin Badgers Big Ten championship game, like against Nebraska or Ohio State, like eight years ago, right? Like it doesn't make sense how many times they did it. I jokingly looked at my wife watching the game in the fourth quarter. And I said, uh, when, when the Packers, when, when J-Love connected with Malik Heath with that touchdown, and that touchdown was awesome, by the way, from Malik Heath, um, I looked at my wife and totally tongue-in-cheek said, oh, watch, we're going to do it. We're going to do another sweep with Jaden Reed. And my wife laughed. And then look what happens. And I, and I was like, are you, like, I feel like I'm in a bizarro world, that that's what happened there. So I don't understand the thought process to just keep going back to the well when the well was clearly dry. And also when Jordan Love in the fourth quarter was heating up, right? Like I, I just don't under, and listen, hindsight's twenty twenty, And if they, you know, they, they do something else that doesn't work, everybody's going to pile on. But the reality is that jet sweep wasn't working. It kept not working. And it would have been nice to put the ball in the hands of the hot hand at the moment, in my opinion, which would have been Jordan Love. Um, go ahead, Wags. Well, I, the, I mean, yeah, that was the one play that gets getting all the headlines right now. But there were several other uh, situations that some similar poor play calls uh, really put them out of position to be able to continue to get down the football field or, or get uh, a chance to get points. Um, you know, think about uh, earlier uh, in the second half, I think right at the beginning of the fourth quarter was when Carlson missed the field goal. And honestly, that was a drive that looked like they were going down to, to punch the ball into the end zone, and all of a sudden they start going backwards uh, as soon as they get down close to the red zone. So it, it's, it, it, yeah, they got to be better. Um, obviously, it worked the first time on the touchdown for, for uh, the in the first quarter. It worked on the first play of the offensive, uh, offensive play of the third quarter. So they, they gained chunk yards and got a couple of big plays out of it. But you don't need to get four or five instances of it not working to realize that you, you have to make a change or adjustment. And okay, they've seen that enough times. Uh, this isn't PUA football where you're just going to be able to run a play 10 times and the other t- defense is going to be clueless about how to stop it or you're just so much more talented or faster than the other team and can just outrun everybody. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's frustrating too. But Dane, I could belabor that all night. Um, uh, yeah, this is really on the feet of the coaching staff to me. 90% of it, there was some, some poor execution. You said, uh, Jordan Love did not have his best football game, especially for the first three quarters. He was actually downright pretty bad for the first few, few quarters, um, based on what we had been seeing in the previous four or five weeks from Jordan Love. So, uh, that, but that can happen. Uh, sometimes guys don't have their best performance. Um, we saw some other individuals that didn't have their best performance. Uh, I'm not sure what happened on on the defensive front uh, with our D line and and edge rushers. Seemed like we were getting some pressure, but there was just no contain, no uh, uh, no no lane discipline. And Tommy DeVito uh, looked like prime Mike Vick out there, just running around, getting chunk yards, uh, escaping everything that that was happening around him in the pocket. To the point, Dean, that honestly, it started to look like they were designing play calls for him to run uh, at, at some certain points in the second half. And so, yeah, that was a all around very, very frustrating game. But 
Dane, do you have anything else to say on that? We could just sit here and rant and rave about that one all night. Uh, I just, but I, Yeah, I mean, I just want to read some of these great comments. Insta, what up on Insta Live? We're across Facebook, Twitter, Insta, YouTube. But Ghost Blue says, we need better run defense. It's been a problem for too many years. And it's also agreeing with you quite a bit, Wags, on, on some of the your comments. DK was talking about Tommy Cutlets look like Joe Montana out there. Um, and, and Amanda... Uh, Miss Amanda Marie, what's up? Amanda says agreed and she's agreeing with you, Wag. So, you know, just, you know, it's, it's a tough one, but the good thing about the NFL, the tough thing about the NFL is that there's only so many games, right? We're already in week 15, but the good news is you got to move on fast. You have to have a short memory in this league. And that's why all of a sudden, you know, the Packers right now, they, they have a really disappointing loss, but the playoff positioning didn't really get impacted, as, as you mentioned. And Wags, all of a sudden, we're heading back home to Lambeau Field. We got a game at noon on Sunday, and the six and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming into Lambeau against the six and seven Green Bay Packers. And Wags, um, th- this could be a really enjoyable matchup, I think, for this Packers team. But, um, you know, yes, a lot to be said about how poor the Packers played New York. But you got to turn around now, right? Learn from our mistakes. It's a short week, and we got to get back to work. And, um, you know, I think it starts at Lambeau. And let's rephrase it and think about instead of going, man, that's a disappointing loss. How about we, we start thinking about wouldn't it be nice to win, um, what would it be, four of our last five? Wouldn't that be nice, right? So that's how I'm going to look at it going forward. And uh, all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield coming into Lambeau Field. Baker Mayfield has played the last two years in December at Lambeau Field with two different teams. This is his third team coming in with uh, Tampa Bay. has had some um, mixed success, but honestly, the Packers have had his number largely. He's thrown three touchdowns, five interceptions in his time at Lambeau. So, um, Wags, I think we should talk about injury report. We should be looking at what the Packers can do to beat Tampa Bay on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest news is uh, A.J. Dillon broke his thumb, uh, apparently, towards the end of that game against the Giants. So, um, Dane, we just seem to take a couple steps forward and a couple steps back when it comes to injuries. And uh, maybe Aaron Jones will be ready to go this week. He did some limited practice work last week. Perhaps that was uh, some ramp-up opportunity. So we'll see how he's feeling as we get closer to game on Sunday. I know last week on Friday he said that he feels like he's getting close. Uh, so we did not think he was going to play last week, but – um, that's something to keep an eye on. I don't think they're going to rush him back simply for the mm-hmm. fact that AJ Dillon is now potentially going to miss some time. I, I would imagine that he's going to have a heavy cast, but I don't know. I'd be surprised if AJ Dillon is able to go out there this week or if that's not at least maybe a, a two week injury before that, you know, swelling goes down and, and enough healing has happened that they'll feel comfortable even with a cast going out there. And to be honest with you, uh, cold weather game in Lambeau, not having grip uh, strength in both hands, it can be a factor as well. So I don't want to just brush this aside and say, let's get that cast on. That's a tough thing to ask yeah. of a running back. Um, I don't know how you're going to be able to catch the football out of the backfield. Uh, that then, you know, from a game planning perspective, it becomes a lot easier to really take A.J. Dillon out of the equation if you're the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. So I'm not sure how A.J. Dillon will be feeling, what the realistic uh, chances are of him being able to suit up at some point. I, I don't see it happening this week or, or probably next week, but we'll see what it looks like 
maybe a couple of weeks down the road. Uh, but Dane, impact uh, of this injury potentially for A.J. Dillon, uh, and this is the time of the year we really need him, uh, versus uh, the pot- weighing that against the potential return of Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, December Dillon's a real thing. He's been really good uh, in December for the Packers. And I, Wags, I think he's been playing some of the most physical football he's played all season, especially this last week of all the blemishes. Uh, he had some really nice runs. I thought that he was really lowering his shoulder using his power. So it'd be, you know, it'd be, it'd be, too, it'd be a damn shame, right? If AJ's not able to go, it'd be great to get Aaron Jones back. Um, you know, he's, he's, it's a, he's had a tough year. He's been banged up quite a bit this year. So it'd be really nice to get him back. I don't disagree. I don't see the Packers rushing Aaron Jones back if, um, you know, if, if, um, if Dylan's unable to go, but then what are we looking at? We're going to be looking at Patrick Taylor, who I thought looked very good outside of the mental mistake. Um, but physically, right. Playing the game thought he looked really, really good. And then Kenyon Drake, who's been in Green Bay for, uh, a cup of coffee and he was active last week after being elevated from practice squad. Very likely either way, that dude's coming back. Emmanuel Wilson's still hurt. Um, so maybe Merriweather, uh, also on the practice squad gets called up as well. But this is all of a sudden it becomes a pretty thin depth chart, right? After Patrick Taylor, because, um, Kenny and Drake's had a lot of success in the National Football League, but he hasn't been in Green Bay very long at all. And I think that that would really limit the playbook for him. Um, so I think that you're right that that's probably the most glaring injury. And uh, especially I was a little jarred when I saw it was AJ Dillon because, you know, he played the entire game, right? So I didn't know that he was banged up. And only afterwards, um, we found that uh, found uh, that out. Um, it doesn't look like um, Christian Watson is going to go again, but maybe the good news here, Wags, is it looked like uh, both Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks both uh, were back out there in a limited fashion today. Really, really encouraged with Wicks. It sounded, you know, like a high ankle injury is what we heard after the game. And I was like, those can last a while. Um, but it's sounding, it's promising. If he's already out there trying to move around on Thursday ahead of that game, and then we know how impactful Jaden Reed has been for this offense. Your boy, Jaden Reed, he's been just tremendous for this Packers offense. Explosive player with the ball in his hands. Um, are there other guys that stick out on this Packers injury front wags? Um, positive, negative going into Sunday. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, obviously, uh, with all the guys you mentioned. Elton Jenkins was a DNP today as we're recording this on Thursday night, but same thing last week. I'm guessing it's just trying to manage, uh, more of, uh, kind of late season. Um, and just being, uh, giving him more of a day off today. Uh, we'll wait and see if anything changes or there's something different going on with Elton Jenkins, but I, I don't think that's going to be a cause for any major concern. Um, I think the other thing to, to be watching is the defensive back group. Um, we've got Darnell Savage that got, has gotten banged up both in the last two weeks. Now he was able to go out there and start the game this last Monday, but. Uh, I don't know, uh, if he's going to be able to go. He's clearly battling through, but, um, didn't play his best football last week, even before he got hurt. So that's going to be an interesting thing too, how they want to 
uh, handled that situation. Well, and, wait, uh, Wags, yeah. can I chime in on that? Because I'll, I'm just going to put my name on it. Like, I'm not losing sleep over uh, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens' safety group. I think that those two have played the most consistent football out of the safety group this season. Uh, Rudy's back healthy. Jonathan Owens um, limited in practice, but he's going to go. He's been, you know, he's been questionable the last couple of weeks. My view, he's going to play again this week. I think that those two, quite frankly, are the most consistent guys and are going to give the Packers defense the best uh, possibility to win the ball game. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that right now. Well, it's interesting you say that because I agree. And from a talent standpoint, when you've got guys coming back off injury, it's sometimes it's a hard call to manage through. All right. Does someone lose their job because of an injury? But Packers defense was playing awful good with some of those guys out there. And Rudy Ford was the starter at the beginning of the season. And for some reason, he lost his spot. Be, due to an injury to Jonathan Owens, who, to your point, I think played some great football and deserved to be out there. But for s- some reason, there was a, a different standard for Darnell Savage, um, who you, you mentioned uh, came back against the Lions, and, and we felt like he played one of the best games that we've seen him play as a Packer in the last couple of seasons. But the last couple of weeks, it, it hasn't been uh, the same. So uh, it, it's a hard, hard call to make. Um, that doesn't even get to the point of, of talking about, you know, Eric Stokes may be activated. They, now, they don't have to activate him before Monday. So he could still be out this week and they could still activate him on the 21-day designated to return the day after this week's game um, and so that he wouldn't miss the rest of the season. But he's been a full participant in practice, so he's been ramping up. So we'll see uh, if he's able to return this week. Um, you know, certainly uh, Jair Alexander, who knows? Uh, there seems to be a lot going on there. We talked about that last week. So I don't know that we need to repeat that conversation, but, um, and then not to mention, um, certainly, um, talking about, um, uh, um, uh, Campbell and he missed, he's missed a lot of games this year. And frankly, uh, I didn't think he played very well on Monday night. So all of a sudden you've got these veterans coming back on defense. And I know Joe Barry gets a lot of the criticism. But there's communication breakdowns. There's missed tackles. There's a lot going on out there. And all of a sudden you've got the middle of your defense, the guys that are responsible for making those calls. And maybe just frankly, maybe they're just not quite in sync. And so then it does beg the question, when is it worth it for that guy coming back? You're looking forward to all these guys coming back and getting healthy. But on the other hand, when you've got players that are playing really well, uh, what's the right way to manage that? So that's a tricky situation. And that's what the coaching staff is out there to try to figure out, um, is uh, who's going to put us in the best position to be successful uh, on that side of the football and, and help us to win football games. So, um, it's a tough call. Uh, this defensive back group for sure. And I would be hard pressed, Dane, to look you in the eye and say, well, if Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander are ready to go, that they're not going to be out there on the field in some capacity. Maybe Eric Stokes to a lesser degree. But I'll tell you what, the way that some of those young guys that have been in there have been playing, um, it, it's it's hard to argue that maybe they should be out there and it's these guys coming back from injury that should be working their way in and, and they don't just automatically get the opportunity to be out there and, and get the lion's share of the snaps. Yeah, I mean, do you remember a few years ago in playoff game where um, Zadarius Smith didn't play all season, and then dude comes back for a playoff game? Jair Alexander had been hurt a vast majority of the season as well, comes back for the playoff game, 
And um, if you recall, Wags, when that occurred, um, Packers lose the game. And after the game, I just remember some of the lowest graded guys that graded out were those guys. And it's not because they're not super talented dudes, but um, it, the NFL, is there's so much flow to it. It's a timing game. It's a physical game. And football shape is a real thing. And, you know, it takes time to bring some of these guys back in increments. Um, so uh, all, all the more reason, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the Packers, I feel like, caught lightning in a bottle a little bit with some of the defenders that they've had playing. I've really liked what Isaiah McDuffie's done. I was wrong about McDuffie a couple of years ago. I frankly just kind of thought he was a dude. I was wrong. Like, I think he's a better player than that. I think that um, the defense looks better when Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie are playing side by side. And and I really like what Carrington Valentine's been able to do um, when he's allowed to just go out and ball. And Corey Valentine. Corey Ballantyne's played really strong football for this Packers team. Dude didn't play a defensive snap for like two seasons. <laughs> like, and now he's like playing real ball. And then we mentioned the safety group. So all that goes to, yes, it's up to the coaching staff to make these determinations, decide what makes the most sense. But I, I, I'm using not only the eye test, but also some past history and metrics from what we've seen in past seasons that my gut tells me, let's go with the hot hand. And when the hot hand no longer is hot, that's when we need to work some of these other guys back in. I, I get that everybody wants to get the guys back out there, I, you know, of course, but it, 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 there's more nuance to it than that. Um, so I'm hopeful going into this week. Of course, we want to see everybody get healthy, but um, honestly, even if Darnell Savage, I'm going to pick him out, um, is a healthy I'm fine if he's a healthy scratch from the starting lineup and we start the other guys, just because I think the other two guys have performed more consistently and we need consistency out of the guys in the back end of this defense. Dane, how can we get the uh, defensive front back on track this week after uh, they really struggled? And by the way, Giants still the most sacked team in the NFL by over 10 sacks. Uh, I just want to mention that. And um, there's only six teams that have half as many sacks given up as the Giants do, but we got zero. So just uh, kind of want to ask you, Dane, how do we get this group back on track? And after honestly, almost an inexcusable performance on Monday night. Makes me so mad. I mean, just hearing that and, and almost as mad as hearing Joe Barry's response when asked that question, what happened? And, and, and his response was basically, oh, I was surprised by it. Um, that's not a response in my eyes from a defensive coordinator. Um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but my goodness, that was frustrating. I, I think that that's where adjustments need to come into play. And we can't just sit back and be passive. Uh, as a defense, um, not only with the, the DBs playing eight, nine yards off the line of scrimmage in, in pressure situations in the third and long, but also if, if we're not getting home to the quarterback legs, we need to be able to manufacture different, different looks and manufacture pressure. And, and, you know, sometimes you just have to take your lumps on the back end of that and hope that your DBs can hold up, but we need to have trust in our defensive backs. And we need to bring extra pressure. So if that means that we're adding a, a, a fourth or fifth rusher at times uh, from, from off the edge, from inside linebacker, uh, from the nickel slot, whatever, um, that the Packers need to be able to be more creative than hoping that your three or four down linemen uh, are able to do enough and get enough pressure uh, to, to get to the quarterback, especially 
last week against a, such an inexperienced quarterback. And Baker Mayfield this week, Wags. Baker Mayfield's a flat, a little bit of a flashy quarterback. He's got a big arm. He can make some big throws, but he can also give you the ball. And if the Packers let Baker sit back there and pick us apart, I'm going to be livid because I think that we have the horses on defense to be able to get to the quarterback, but it really is up to the defensive coordinator and the scheme to be able to go and be aggressive, pin our ears back and go try to hit Baker uh, in the backfield. Yeah. And Baker is actually taking care of football pretty well this year. So I'm throwing eight interceptions. So he's in the top half of the league of limiting the number of interceptions thrown. And he's got some big targets, uh, guys that most Packer fans should be pretty familiar with. They've been with Tampa Bay for a while now, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside, uh, wide receiver. Um, Godwin is not typically your high, uh, you know, um, touchdown type receiver, but he's volume and uh, he can really eat you alive in a lot of ways, uh, underneath, over the middle, etc. cetera. Uh, Mike Evans is your field stretcher. So those two guys complement each other very well. Evans uh, started the season hot, uh, hasn't Maybe necessarily been quite as much uh, on a tear recently, but he's had some really good performances at Lambeau over the years. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you put it that together, uh, this is going to be a, a tough matchup for our secondary. And so I'm kind of curious to see uh, what do you think the Packers can do to, to try to slow down this passing attack of Tampa Bay that I think maybe is a little bit quietly underrated based on what they've been able to do so far this season. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, legs. Who sticks out from this Tampa Bay uh, um, injury? Report? I I just I, said Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I think those are two really yeah. good receivers. Um, yeah. Do you disagree, or like what? what, no. what where's your thought process? No, I'm just I'm I'm looking at it. I mean, Mike Evans. I think you know, really good. I actually, you know, I I think that. Godwin is is the guy that I'm really circling this week, you know, out of those two, because I think that's a really astute observation. I think that um, he's a guy that could probably coming off of a week with Kayshawn Nixon that had some some trouble uh, in the slot. I think that Godwin could be pretty problematic for this Packers defense in certain stretches. So that's really the guy that I'm looking at that. Uh, that I just I, I think that I'm circling it and, and and very curious if he's going to be able to go. Um, it seems like he got hurt at some point in the game um, this last week. Couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was, um, but but if he's unable to go, I think it greatly limits this this uh, Tampa offense. Uh, not only not necessarily from a big play perspective, although he has the ability to do that, but also is kind of just a chain mover. He and Evans have that ability, I think, to play um, inside the um, kind of inside the the tens, so to speak, and really move the the chains, but also can break loose there. But without him there, Wags, I think it opens up Baker Mayfield to to losing one of his major security blankets. I, I just I don't see the tight end group for Tampa Bay being particularly. Um, menacing there. Their running back group, you know, Rashad White, eh. um, but really it does come down to those wide receivers and, um, and, and without, without Godwin potentially, my goodness, I, I, I do think it limits them. And that's Wags even more reason that that's where I think that this Packers defense could really crank up the, the pressure on Baker Mayfield. And that's really where I want to see them get after him. 
is um, if he doesn't have those weapons there, um, because anybody can beat you week to week in the NFL. But my goodness, some of these guys have the ability to do it a lot more frequently than some of the names that are not Godwin or or Mike Evans. So that's kind of what I'm circling uh, and and kind of holding my breath, to be honest with you, because um, these are different Packer team or Packer and Tampa Bay teams. But I think this is a Tampa Bay team that can easily come in Lambeau Field and the Packers, if the Packers aren't prepared. Um, and so, so, you know, being able to limit the, the number of weapons that they have and, and matching our talent with theirs, I think could be fruitful for this Packers defense. Okay. Well, how do you think they're going to do that? I guess that was the question. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take a crack on that. I'll let you think about that a little bit. Um, so folks, Tampa Bay has got the worst run offense in the NFL. Uh, so Packers run defense has, not been very good. They've had a couple good games. They, frankly, they played pretty well against some of the worst rush offenses that they faced. So maybe this is a week that all of a sudden uh, we get fooled into thinking that the Packers rush defense is uh, solid again, but it better be uh, because Tampa Bay uh, does not have a single rush over 40 yards this season. They've only got three rushes over 20 yards, so no explosiveness whatsoever in the rushing attacks. Um, and uh, on a yards per carry basis, by far the worst uh, offensive uh, team uh, running the football in the NFL. So it's going to be big plays from Baker Mayfield to Godwin and Evans. That's how they've been successful offensively. And uh, frankly, Packers have not played all that great against the NFC South opponents that they've played so far. Uh, certainly the Falcons and, and Desmond Ritter with the fourth quarter comeback early in the season in week three. And, uh, the Saints a couple weeks later, uh, yeah, the Packers won that game, but they looked atrocious for most of the game and made an awesome comeback in the fourth quarter, uh, but barely won that game. So, uh, right now, Tampa Bay's leading that division. It's all kind of knotted up and it's a mess. Uh, all those teams probably on paper are pretty similar to who the Packers are. Packers are six and seven. Um, in the immortal words of, uh, I can't believe I'm quoting him. Uh, but uh, a certain v- former Vikings coach, we are who they think they are. Uh, it's, uh, I'm paraphrasing. It's a little bit different and making it more active. Uh, but the Packers are, are going to have to be able to figure out a way to disrupt this passing attack of Tampa Bay because I don't think they're good enough to come in here despite some of the struggles Packers have uh, stopping the run. I don't think the Tampa Bay is going to be able to be good enough to come in and turn it on and really run all over this backer defense, especially after the performance on Monday night. I think these guys are going to be really looking to have a, a turnaround performance this week. So I expect the guys up front to have their full attention and play a much better football game. The question for me, Dane, is uh, how can we stop Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Because that's going to be the biggest key for this defense, being able to put Packers in a position that they're limiting the number of points that are up on the on uh, the Tampa Bay side uh, because we've seen it before. They're able to get volume, as you said. Both of them can get volume underneath and and over the top, and so it, it's it it just comes down to that for me in this game. Uh, similar to last week, it was all about one guy and Saquon Barkley. And they couldn't figure that out, and that opened up a whole lot of extra stuff that shouldn't have happened for the Giants. So now this week, my real focus is. Those two guys, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, what can we do to try to disrupt that and slow them down? Well, well, first of all, I, I want to point out that not only are you talking about at the top of the, the, the podcast, the uh, hiring a Cowboys uh, fans, but and also cheering for, or excuse me, uh, what was that? What, what fans are they? The Cowboys fans? 
Uh, but now you're, you're, you're quoting former Minnesota Viking head coaches in this podcast. What is going on this holiday season, Wags? I'm, I'm losing my mind or what? Um, but, but I'll tell you what, Wags, here's the deal. Um, and, and it's, it's some chatter's gone on our Insta chat. We're, we're streaming everywhere tonight, but, uh, Amanda mentioned our streaming chat uh, about, um, somebody getting going outside of Rashawn Gary in the pass rush. And, and that's a huge piece to this, I think, is um, I think that to stop Baker Mayfield and stop this passing game, it's getting home against the quarterback and at least getting him out of his rhythm and, and, and hitting him and getting after it. And, and what, it, what it comes down to is who's going to step up on the other side of Rashawn Gary. Yes, Gary can be a one-man wrecking crew, and we've seen other rushers over the years in the NFL do that. However, it sure is a heck of a lot easier when you've got, uh, you know, somebody on the other side of you also getting some pressure where they can then start to scoot over, um, you know, some, some assistance. So they're not double teaming Rashawn Gary on, on pretty much every snap. So, um, and, and, and that's not just individualizing, uh, individual players, but also it goes back to, uh, Joe Barry's defensive scheme. Can we please try to help Rashawn Gary in this pass rush out by sending somebody else? Because um, you, you've done a good job on this podcast over the years with Joe Barry. Um, when, you, when you talk about Barry and you look at um, just on paper the the blitz, um, you know, percentage of blitzing that goes on across the National Football League, the Packers aren't at the bottom of that um, because technically they blitz a fair amount. But what they do is then they drop somebody that you would think would be rushing the passer back into coverage. That's how we see Preston Smith at times covering wide receivers or tight ends or running backs or, you know, frankly, guys that he shouldn't be covering. Um, so what I'd like to see, Wags, to get after Baker Mayfield and answer your question is to take away the wide receivers to get to the quarterback. Baker Mayfield is not the most athletic quarterback. He's not going to crush you with his legs consistently. Um, so how do we get that pass rush, and it's got it's got to be up to Joe Barry and somebody else, whether it's Anigbari, whether it's Luke Van Ness, um, Preston Smith. Somebody's got to get to the quarterback um, more consistently, and also somebody like a Kenny Clark, right? Somebody else kind of up the the inside or the interior of this defensive line. It's exceedingly exceedingly important that we do that because honestly, I don't have a ton of faith that Joe Barry is going to um, embolden some of the defensive backs to, you know, jam guys at the line of scrimmage and be aggressive and lean in on these receivers. And, and, and Barry is so concerned at times, or not at times, all the time, it seems, of not giving up the big play that it's almost like he's afraid for this defense to make a play. And that's what drives me bonkers about this. And so I would love to see this week, Wags, really being able to embolden these pass rushers to go get after the quarterback, send the extra man. If you get beat a couple times, so be it. But be aggressive and show Tampa Bay and show Baker Mayfield that we're not afraid to come after. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Um thing about Mike Evans as as a vertical threat is those are plays that take a while to develop, potentially. Um, You know, and so that's, that's where getting after – uh, Baker Mayfield early can be disruptive. I think the other thing is, and, and, and if Godwin can't go, that's one thing, but, um, is Devondre Campbell, if Quay Walker is able to go this week, or if it's McDuffie, whoever's out there at the linebacker position, they really need to have their head on a swivel and understand 
where Godwin is or whoever that receiver yeah. is that's in the slot position. They're not the primary guy covering them, but they've got to have the right amount of depth. They've got to read. They've got to know where those guys are going to be on the football field uh, because that's where Baker Mayfield's eyes are going to go uh, when Packers uh, do bring pressure or if they are able to get pressure with four guys up front. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to – he's got – he knows he's got Evan deep, Evans deep, and he's got some of these other guys, his tight ends. Uh, Godwin is the, the main guy, though. And, uh, yeah, you can't cover him with just Kayshawn Nixon. And, and I think Kayshawn Nixon's had some good games. Last week was not one of them. Um, so I expect him to bounce back. But he can't cover uh, a guy of Chris Godwin's caliber consistently without Godwin winning a number of those matchups. So it's really incumbent on those guys in the middle that, yeah, they're not lining up across from Godwin and trying to drape him and take him out of the pass game. But if they're getting in lanes and reading where he's going to be on the football field, it's de facto double covering him in some ways. Uh, and uh, that makes those uh, opportunities to be able to get rid of the football to him underneath few and far in between. And if you're lucky, maybe you have some opportunities for some takeaways in those situations as well. So, um, that's, I think, how we would draw it up there. I think, mm-hmm. Dane, we did it. We just collaborated. Yeah. That's our game plan on how to slow down and stop uh, impact players on the offensive side of the opponent. Uh, Joe Barry, you're welcome. You're welcome to take notes and uh, and implement whatever you'd like. I know it's easier said than done, uh, but uh, then it's it's really about uh, drawing that up and letting these guys get out there and execute. But, Dane, I will be pulling my hair out if we just single-handedly let them win some of those matchups. They're getting one-on-one coverage. We're rushing three or four guys. Baker has all day to throw, and he's just picking us apart because we're not, you know, doing anything to force the issue. So um, I, I hope I'm doing some type of Jedi mind trick, like uh, anti-talking it into existence right now because I'm afraid uh, what we've seen uh, from from Coach Barry is that sometimes that's just what happens. And, and unfortunately, we feel like we're getting conditioned to that. Um, so uh, this is not the week uh, for Coach Barry to listen to us if he wants us to give him some tacit support. <laughs> uh, so uh, he's going to have to go out there and come up with a good game plan and prove, I think, to us and a lot of other Packer fans that this defense is capable of turning it up to another level back home at Lambeau Field this week. And uh, uh, being able to lead the way uh, to a, a victory here this Sunday. And speaking of defense, Buccaneers defense, Wags, um, huge uh, guy that has not practiced yet this week for them is Vita Vey, who has played really good ball against the Packers in, in seasons past. Uh, talk about the the limited injury running back for the Packers, but Vita Vey uh, be, potentially being unable to go for Tampa Bay would be. Um, really, really big, I think, for this Packers team, as would the questionable uh, and has not practiced yet this week of um, starting safety Ryan Neal and uh, Carlton Davis, right? I mean, so that's that's big that a couple of starting DBs potentially don't go this week uh, and and Vita Bay. And I'll tell you what, Wags, if Bay is unable to go, Green Bay offensively, uh, I, whether A.J. Dillon does or doesn't go, Aaron Jones does or doesn't go. Um, there's been a couple weeks there where we said, hey, let Jordan Love rip it. And I still, I believe that. I truly do. But also, if Vey's not in there, if I think we have the ability to establish the run. 
against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I really do. Um, and, and that doesn't, I, I'm not saying that they're going to run it 25 times, Green Bay, but what I'm saying is, um, you know, they at times has been a vacuum along the interior of that offensive line against the interior of the Packer offensive line. Um, I think this Packers, uh, O line could, really do some damage against some of the backups there uh, against that Tampa Bay has. Um, but also I see some real holes uh, in the defensive backs where Jordan Love could see some opportunity, even with Christian Watson there. So all of that to say, what's the approach this week? Because I was really pleased a few weeks ago, Wags, a lot of our offensive X factors uh, were, were guys that landed, had some really good games. We said, Jordan, let it rip. Packers allowed kind of, you know, took the training wheels, so to speak, off Jordan Love. And he's had some massive success during that time frame. So this week, how would you coach Wags go into this against Tampa Bay? I think you have the prescription, Dane. I really do. And uh, I really hope that Aaron Jones is ready to go. But this is going to be another situation where it looked like we finally ramped him up, taking the full amount of carries that he was going to be expected to. It took a while. And then he got, unfortunately, got hurt again. Uh, so I don't expect him to come out to your point and carry the ball or get 20 touches this week if he is able to go. Um, what we might be able to do to leverage some of the, you know, personnel groups that we have out there and to really be more pro pass is it, it, we saw some of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon being out there in, in certain personnel packages at the same time. Um, if AJ Dillon's not able to go, I think in a great way, compliment Aaron Jones to have Patrick Taylor out there in some of those personnel groupings. Uh, frankly, he's someone that is becoming really vital uh, to third down situations with how he pass blocks. And uh, he's been able to make some plays as a receiver. Uh, he's gotten some nice lanes as a runner in some of those uh, uh, downs. So um, to be able to add a dynamic like Aaron Jones and whatever number of snaps he's able to get, if he is able to play this week, um, I, I think that would really give them a lot of flexibility with how they want to use Aaron Jones. Uh, they can move him around a little bit. They can move Patrick Taylor around a little bit. And and so I think there that would be something that I would really be looking for as a sneaky way to have an adjustment. That's something that wouldn't necessarily be on tape. The, the, personnel groups have been, but they haven't been able to use them very much so far this season just because of how limited Aaron Jones has been in terms of the number of games and number of snaps he's played. So, um, And I think that would be a great way to keep him fresh, too. That way you're not sit, putting him back there and having him run uh, straight into the you know line and, and really having to have some of those grinding runs uh, as mm -hmm. he's trying to work his way back from injury. Uh, let Patrick Taylor do that. Heck, let Kenyon Drake do some of that. Um, give Aaron Jones some runs if he's able to play, uh, but maybe let him try to get out in space a little bit, get his legs out from underneath him, and um, and see if he can make some explosive and impact plays that way. Wanks, how good has Tucker Craft been for this Packers offense in expanded uh, look with uh, Luke Musgrave going down uh, with the injury? Tucker Craft has come in, and it's pretty remarkable, but I think the Packers found two tight ends in this draft. Um, that that can really be impact players. And um, how how do you see the Packers potentially utilizing him both in the pass and the run game? Because I think he's been very um, proficient blocker uh, when 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 called upon. Uh, he played every single offensive snap this last week against the Giants, which is 
really, really cool to see. But also, he's been able to stretch the field and, and move the chains and has looked really fluid catching the ball. So um, I, I ask you, it's kind of a leading question because I think that the Packers could work him in even more this week. But but how do you see potential Tucker Craft impacting this ball? I think he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. If he, if, if we get a bigger game and he impacts further with, with more catches and opportunities, that's wonderful. But I, I don't need him to do more than what he's been doing because I think he's doing a phenomenal job in the role that they're asking him to. Um, so not, I don't want to put more pressure more on his plate. I, I believe that he's capable of doing more. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he needs to. Uh, so. I think he's been doing a phenomenal job with what they've asked. I think Sims has done a nice job in the opportunities he's had. Um, so let's just keep that going and, and hopefully, uh, we'll see. I don't know if we've gotten much in terms of an up, update. Um, obviously Musgrave is on the IR. So I don't expect to hear anything real soon on that, but maybe in a couple of weeks, uh, as to whether he will have an opportunity to return this season before the end of the season. So, um, but Dane, you said it's a leading question. I, I want to turn it back to you because it sounds like you kind of wanted to answer your own question a little bit on that one as well. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, I just I look at him. I love the physicality that he brings, and we talk about um, all. You know, when we talk about Patrick Taylor, we talk about potential Baron Jones or these running game and, and setting the tone. Um, of course, the the big five up front along the offensive line need to do their job, but somebody like a Tucker Craft uh, uh, does as well. And um, you know, we we've, we've talked a lot about our our joy in watching Henry Pearson at fullback um, come up, and I still advocating, and I think you you definitely are too. Henry Pearson should be. Um, getting some snaps in this offense and get called up again. But I love what Tucker Kraft's been able to do as well. I want to see that violent blocker, uh, but also I like the matchup, um, against, against this, uh, this, um, this Tampa Bay defense, um, in particular. Um, I, I, I look, I look at it and Devin White's a good, really good linebacker. He's a tackle machine, but I think where, where he can get eaten up is sometimes in those intermediate pass plays. And this is where I think if, if Devin White's able to go, he's, he's on the um, injury list right now. Um, I really like his matchup, Tucker Craft's matchup there. Um, I, I would like to see him continue to get out uh, and be a lead blocker in space, but also as kind of a, a an out route, um, kind of a safety blanket for Jordan Love. Jordan has done, I think, a really good job of it really seeing the entire field. Um, I think, you know, we don't have that true number one receiver right now, but we've got a lot of um, impact receivers in training, so to speak, in this offense. And Jordan's been able to seek out a lot of different receivers at different moments in this season. Um, I'd like to see Tucker continue to evolve. And, and you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a hundred yard a game uh, style tight end this season. But what I am saying is that I think that he could continue to evolve into kind of a chain moving tight end and, and, and become kind of synonymous with some of these wide receivers in the sense that, Hey, one week it's going to be Dontavian Wicks has a week. The next week, you know, Romeo Dobbs has, has kind of his share. Um, I, it just wouldn't surprise me if before the end of the year, Tucker Craft has one of those weeks as well, where it's like, Oh, Tucker Craft ended up with five or six catches for, you know, 70, 80 yards and, and a tutty, right? I mean, he's just that kind of guy. And when I look at what Tampa Bay does against tight end, um, they're not the best against tight ends. They don't defend the tight end particularly well this season. And I think that um, because of that, and that's, you know, judging uh, on paper, judging how other tight ends have, have done against them. And I think that this is the week 
where um, Tucker Craft could maybe expand slightly and, and have a bigger week than maybe the last couple of weeks in the catch department. All right. Fantastic. Dane, I think we're probably about ready to get to X-Factions and score prediction. But before we do that, got a couple more comments in the chat. It sounds like uh, a few uh, of our listeners are indeed ready to move on from some coaches. Uh, Captain Colby Jack just jumped on. Ca- Captain Jack, thanks so much. Uh, he says clean house after the season is done. Uh, we've got Wayne Froming uh, in the Facebook chat uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, if Reggie White was still here, what a phenomenal defense coordinator he would be. And then he throws in the chat. I'm putting it up on the screen. He says, put me in as DC. So, uh, yeah, Packer fans, uh, sharpen up your resume. Get ready. There could be an opening at DC. Can we, can we cure this, this problem that's been ailing us for years? So, um, Dane, I, I, I mean, I think we joke, but, uh, there, there's gotta be improvement. Uh, no about, no doubt about that. So can we get that this week? Folks, throw in your score predictions into whatever chat you're in right now. We'll get to those in a minute. Well, um, Wags, I love this already. Those that are listening on our podcast and aren't following on social media, we I love some of the folks that, that track us every week when we go live. Before we've even gotten to our Leap X Factors, folks are dropping their score predictions in the chat. Y'all know the drill. We love you for that. That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, our Leap Vodka X Factors and score predictions of the week. And Dane, uh, I can't wait until we are, have our leap, uh, cocktail, uh, drink videos ready. We got together last weekend, so we'll have some of those ready to share with folks. But for this week, we're just going to talk a little bit more about leap vodka. So many delicious drinks that you can make before, during, and after, uh, a Packer game day. It, it really just makes that go so much better. So folks, check out leap vodka. And, uh, get it anywhere in Wisconsin today. So, um, all right, Dan, I'm going to let you go first. X factors. Uh, I'll even let you choose whichever side of football you want. I'm risking that you're going to take my X factor yet again this week, but I don't think you're going to. So go right ahead. I, I give you the floor. Did you say offense or defense or did you uh, forgive me? Either you, one. Either one. Okay. You choose. You, you choose which side you want to start with. I'm going offense. I'm going with Patrick Taylor. Running back uh, is going to be my leap vodka X factor on offense. Um, we talked about the injuries um, ad nauseum this this week at running game. Um, Patrick has really worked his way in uh, and involved himself in this offense. You, you mentioned I couldn't agree more. He's uh, become, frankly, a pretty critical piece to this offense, especially on third downs. Um, you know, he's going to clean up, I think, the, the mental mistake uh, of getting out of bounds and kind of that two-minute drill. But um, that's something that's easily correctable. He's a talented young guy out there. Love his game. He's an all-around back. Wags, we put it on social last week during the game. He's just a pro running back. I don't know how else to put it. He's a pro. Um, this is a big week, I think, for this Packers offense. Let's get back on track. Um, I'd like to see Jordan Love, of course, be more sharp. But uh, Patrick Taylor is going to be important. Uh, and, and critical potentially if the Packers are going to set the tone running the ball and, and open up the pass game a little bit. So for those reasons, Patrick Taylor is going to be my leap vodka uh, X factor on offense for week 15. All right. Fantastic. Uh, I'm not going to claim that this is sensible from purely the 
sentiment of what you're going for when we pick X factors, but I'm going to go with Jordan Love as my office of X factor this week. Wow. Uh, I I think he's really due for a bounce back, and honestly, if he's able to do that, this is it could be a big week again for this Packer offense. What we've seen from him before last week um, is he's been out there, he's been aggressive, he's been accurate, he's been sharp, um, and we just didn't get that from him as a tone setter last week, to be quite honest with you. And I'm not going to kill him for it. As I said earlier in the podcast, you know, quarterbacks, all players, they have great games. They have not so great games. Last week was a not so great game, unfortunately for Jordan Love. Uh, but I think he can come out and, and be a tone setter, be aggressive and get this offense back on track this week. Um, so that might be a slight cop out in the spirit of what we like to do with X factors, uh, to, to pick your starting quarterback as one of your, your guys. But I think it's important that Jordan Love has a big bounce back performance this week. And so that's why I'm picking him from the respect of that's just going to set the tone. Let's go out there, take care of business. If Jordan's able to do that, uh, I think we're going to come away with a good, strong outcome in terms of the margin of victory. If he struggles, this might be a, a little bit more of a grinded out or we could be due for a, another week of disappointment. Yeah, that's, it's totally valid. I, I think, um, I appreciate that. I didn't expect the Jordan love. You're right for our leap vodka offense, uh, X factor this week, but, um, you, you sold me on it, Wags. Uh, how about defense? Let's, let's go right back to the well with you. Um, this, this ain't no jet sweep, uh, here on the pod. The well is still plentiful. Wags, who you got as your leap, uh, vodka X factor on defense? Well, Dane, I am going completely off the board. And as you said earlier, I'm not superstitious, but I am quite stitious. And so, Wags, with my bracelet, is the X factor this week. It's the offsetting component to bad defensive uh, coordinating from Joe Barry. I believe in all the players out there on the field. But as long as the lucky bracelet is on, and I'm not going to fail you folks this week. Wags and his lucky bracelet are going to be the defensive X factor. They're going to offset the bad juju from Coach Barry. And we're just going to get some turnovers and we're going to do enough to get it done. And I'm going to give all the credit to the players. I'm sorry, but that's what, that's the way we got to do it. I'm taking accountability for my lack of focus last Monday night. And I do sincerely apologize to all of you out there. It's not going to happen again. I have no impact whatsoever on what's happening out there on the football field. But cosmically, we're going to get it done this week, and I'm going to offset Joe Barry. So I'm nominating myself and my lucky bracelet as the X factor on the defensive side of the ball game. That's amazing. I love that. I think that's the first time uh, an inanimate object has been our leap uh, defensive X factor. So that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I'm going to go with a veteran. I was so disappointed um, in a number of things as so many fans were last week uh, on Monday. But one of the things was that it was veterans uh, on the defensive side that I thought had kind of letdown games for this Packers team. Um, and because of that, I'm going to go with a veteran and inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell, uh, the all pro uh, inside linebacker is going to be my leap um, spirits or excuse me, leap vodka X factor this week, because um, we need a big game out of uh, Quay Walker. I, I, I thought, um, you know, he, he's been, he's been injured. I think it's less likely he plays. I think he's limited this week, but still either way we need 
somebody in the middle to step up. I think Devonder Campbell's had a pretty tough year. He's battled injury. Uh, he's, he's, he's missed tackles. He's been, it looks, um, you know, uh, a step off a number of times. This is a week wags where, you know, with this run game, you mentioned what stopped the run and then beat Baker Mayfield with the big chunk plays, right? But you got to stop the run to do that first. And this is a week where Devondre Campbell, um, we need the, a rewind to a couple of years ago, Devondre Campbell, where he, he makes a big impact play after big impact play. Um, we need that heart of the defense to, to have a big game. So, um, it's a big week. It's cold weather, Lambeau Field. Um, I don't remember the last time, you know, Devondre's had kind of that impact forced fumble, right? That impact interception. This is a week where we need our veterans to, to lead this defense. So Devondre Campbell is going to be my leap vodka X factor this week for all those reasons. I, I love that pick. And I mean, that's a, a more honest pick to actually take a player, but I went off the board. I feel like we needed to reset things a little mm-hmm. bit, Dane. So I'm not taking anything back. Uh, score predictions. Uh, I'm just going to go right into it. I think the Packers put up 30. I'm going to score. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't get a follow through on, on my prediction that they would get 30 or more points last week. So I'm going to double down on it. And Dane, I've got the Packers taking care of business this week. I think they're going to have a nice bounce back performance. I think we're going to see a sharper performance from Jordan Love. I think this defense is going to be sharper. Um, there's still room for improvement, but, um, I think they're going to, uh, win the turnover battle. And um, I think Packers uh, come away with a solid win here this week, uh, taking it 30 to 17 against Tampa Bay at home uh, mm. against Tampa Bay. Uh, so um, get back to seven and seven and uh, give ourselves an opportunity to head uh, to Carolina and hopefully play much better than we played against poor opponents uh, with an opportunity to get uh, over 500 for uh, one of the first times since the beginning of the season. Great, great. I'll take the win and I would love to see 30, uh, wags. I haven't checked the weather, uh, at Lambeau Field for, for Sunday. Not sure what it's going to look like, how cold it's going to be, but I like that prediction. I'm going to read some predictions in the chat here too. Um, it looks like Shadid says Green Bay 24, Tampa Bay 17. I like that. Um, we've got John. I'm, he says the pack 17 to 21. So I'm guessing 21 Packers, 17 Buccaneers. Um, Kevin, I love the, the volleyball call out women's volleyball, UW three, UT one. <laughs> I like that prediction. Women's volleyball will be starting a momentary, just actually started a little bit ago here. Um, I'm looking at, at, uh, chat in the Insta line as well. I'm not sure if anybody else dropped score predictions, but, um, Wags, I'm going to go 26, 20 Green Bay Packers. It's going to be two, six and seven teams. Um, you mentioned we've had some, some difficulty against the NFC South, um, so far this season. They've played us tough. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, but I think that Jordan Love's going to be better. Uh, I think that he's going to air it out. I think he's going to have a nice game. I think this defense is going to play good enough to win. Um, I think that they're going to win in spite of probably another poorly coached game from the defensive coordinator, but the Packers are going to win this game. I think they're the better team. And I do think that we're going to have better um better pressure on the quarterback and on Baker Mayfield this week so um so and John John confirms he is picking the pack to win thank you John that's what i thought um but for all those reasons wags 26-20 it's going to be a nail biter i think it's going to be close going into the fourth quarter but the packers cold weather game at Lambeau Field to take care of business win another game and we're going to have won what four of our last five which 
I'll take that. We got to win out to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if either of our predictions come true, we'll be happy with that. Yeah. All that matters is getting that win uh, at this point in the season, especially. So, folks, I, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thanks to everyone that joined yeah. us on whatever stream or prefer, preferred stream uh, that you're following us. Uh, thanks for all the engagement. Really appreciate that. Share us with friends, whether you're uh, sharing or listening to us live or watching us live or catching up after uh, the stream, either through the audio podcast or uh, through uh, a video replay. Uh, through those uh, various platforms. So um, I think that does it, though, Dane. As always, be legendary and go Pack Go! go. Pack Go! Every year I know we're going to go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads, go Pack Go! Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport, and I'll leave it with your good luck. Only thing I will...